Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 117. If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we hear from his word. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Our New Testament reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. morning. It's good to see everyone. It's good to be back. Uh, Let's pray together for the word. Lord, we call upon you now and we ask for, Lord, your wisdom. We ask, Lord, that you would Illuminate our hearts through your spirit as we, Lord, go in and just search and dig into your word. We pray that you would light our path. Let this word be to us sweeter than honey. Let us rejoice in your word. And Father, would you spur us and motivate our hearts. Give us the desire, Lord, to walk in accordance with your word that we may, as your people, glorify you. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, Today we celebrate uh, the Korean Culture Day, and I just want to say, and I think I speak on behalf of my wife and my son as well, we've been so blessed by grace, and we were out last week, and we just miss grace so much. So it's really great to be back, and um, we love this church so much. If you look in your order of worship, um, there is a little uh, side column note about Chuseok, which is a Korean holiday, and uh, the whole reason why we're actually celebrating this Sunday as the Korean Culture Day is because Chuseok is actually on Tuesday, uh, and this is a nationwide uh, celebration. It's a holiday in Korea uh, where they actually celebrate for three days. It would be great if we started doing that here in America too, right? If we celebrated each holiday for three days instead of one. 
Um, but they do it for three days, and they eat a lot of food. They visit a lot of family, and you know, they just—it's it, kind of like a mini vacation where they just really just enjoy the time. Uh, and Chuseok is a—it's an autumn harvest festival, and it's uh, it's kind of a Korean cultural thing. Um, but we wanted to share that with Grace, and we wanted to also uh, invite you to participate with us uh, in Chuseok. Uh, even if you're not Korean, it's okay. Uh, and so tonight we're going to be watching a, a movie uh, that um, it kind of depicts the Korean immigrant uh, struggles. And uh, it's also, I don't know if you know, but se- September 15th uh, began uh, Hispanic Her- Heritage Month as well. And so I think the immigrant story, is, it's not just for Koreans, but it's for a lot of people. Uh, and so we'd ask you to join us tonight at 6 o'clock. There's going to be popcorn. There's going to be child care. And there will also be songpyeon, which is a Korean, uh, it's, a, it's a food uh, that they eat during Chuseok. And so we're going to have that available tonight as well. So join us as we celebrate together. Uh, we are continuing our series in discipleship. And we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. And so hopefully you've been thinking about this. And you're not just listening to the sermon and saying, all right, okay, I already know this stuff. Let's talk about something else. But we always have to be reminded of the importance of discipleship and why we need to be discipled. And I think many of us in this room, uh, and even if you're not in this room, many of us who are here together will admit and confess that we are able to be here because somebody invested in our lives or somebody prayed for us or somebody discipled us or somebody helped us to know Jesus Christ. And that is the importance of discipleship is that we don't just go on this journey alone. We don't just learn how to be a Christian, a Christ follower by ourselves, but we do it together as we are discipled, and that's why we need discipleship. And so as we continue to talk about this, I want to discuss the conclusion of today's New Testament passage, where Luke, the author, tells us in verse 26, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So now this is a more Bible trivia uh, knowledge that you know. If somebody asks you, where where did that word come from, Christian? You can say, well, you know, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, they were first called Christians in Antioch. This is such a powerful statement that they were first called Christians in Antioch. And when 2,000 years later in our culture and in our day, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word Christian, When someone asks you, what religion are you? Or when you tell other people that you're a Christian, what do you mean when you say that? I was surprised to find out that when we are down in Georgia, down in the South, whenever I would talk to anybody, whether it was in the grocery store or wherever it was, everybody was a Christian. And I thought, wow, this whole state is Christian. Everybody (laughs) knows God and loves God and goes to church. But I eventually found out that that's not really what they were meaning when they said they were a Christian. It was a cultural thing. When they said they were a Christian, they meant, yeah, I I go to church sometimes, once a year, once every couple years. I I go, oh, my my mom is a Christian, or, or my aunt, or my uncle, oh, they're Christians. So I'm also a Christian, I guess. And I came to find out that it wasn't based on this word, Christian. Uh, And that's what I want to talk about today, is what it means to be a Christian. I think Luke depicts in this passage today what it means to be a Christian. And so I want to go through three characteristics that caused these believers in Antioch 
to be labeled this title, Christian. One and two go together. The first is that they grew more dependent on God through their trials. They didn't fall away from God. They grew more dependent on God through their trials. And number two was that their trials, even though they tried to prevent them from living out their faith, from proclaiming the gospel message, these disciples actually spread the gospel even more. So one and two go hand in hand, that through their trials, they grew more dependent on God, and because they grew more dependent on God, they spread the gospel message even more. After a season of great revival and growth, in the beginning of uh, the book of Acts, we see the church in Jerusalem just grow exponentially. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of believers are now making up this church in Jerusalem. And the Jews, they see this, and they don't like it. And they want to put an end to it. And so they begin to persecute the church. They begin to falsely accuse these people. They imprison them. And they even kill some of them. And we know one of the most famous persecutors of the church. His name is Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes Paul the Apostle. And so because of this persecution, the Christians, they have to disperse this church, that this mega church, right, of tens of thousands of believers, has now dwindled down to the apostles and some of the remaining believers in Jerusalem and all of the diaspora Jews who came in because of the the great feast, right, Passover, and stayed there because of the church, because they, they met Jesus Christ, and now they're learning about Jesus Christ, and they're fellowshipping with the church in Jerusalem. Now these people have found themselves back in their hometowns. They're back in their own cities, in their own countries, because they are being persecuted. Now think about it for a moment. They have been driven back. That means that there's no no more apostles. There's no pastor to lead them and say, all right, we're going to start a church here. They're on their own. After a season of growing with the apostles and in the church of Jerusalem, they have now been scattered to these different places. But as a result of this scattering of the church, instead of the church dying out, we read that the church actually grows even more and expands even more. Why? Because these disciples of Christ, they had a choice. They had a dilemma. They had a trial. Were they going to walk away from the Lord because now there's no leadership? They have no church to go to anymore? They've been driven back to this homeland and so they don't know what to do. Are they going to walk away from the Lord or are they going to pursue the Lord in faith? Are they going to remember what they have been taught by the apostles and are they going to continue to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ even though they don't have that kind of leadership or guidance anymore? What did they do? We read in verses 19 through 21. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord." Instead of becoming fearful, instead of walking away, instead of turning away from their faith, they started to depend on God even more. It says that they went, and since they didn't have a church to go to, what did they do? They started proclaiming the gospel message. 
so that they could start a new church. They didn't just preach it to the Jews, but they started preaching it to anyone who'd listen. And in verse 21, it says, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This is the great working of God. That even in their trial, even in their persecution, God was still at work. And his hand was upon them so that they would continue to fulfill the promise, the covenant, the work that he was doing from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. He didn't stop working because they had been scattered. And so Peter tells us in 1 Peter verses one, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was through this living hope that these new believers had that they were able to continue to persevere even through their trial. Through this persecution, they continued through the faith that Peter describes here is even more precious than gold that has been tested and refined by fire. It is through this trial that their, their faith comes out, that their faith is refined, their faith is tested, but their faith continues to persevere. It's already been over a year and a half since this great pandemic, the, the great shutdowns. It's been over a year and a half since the nation shut down because of COVID. It was a time of despair. It was a time of death. It was a time of confusion and uncertainty where businesses were going out of business. They were shutting down, where the air was filled with smoke because of riots, and there was so much chaos. I don't know if you remember, but last year was pretty chaotic. And weirdly enough, during this time, there was a shortage of toilet paper as well. It was truly a time of chaos. But it was a time of test and trial for the church as well. It was a kind of weeding out of those who would stay faithful to the Lord versus those who would just choose to walk away. I remember during this time when this all began, I met with the leadership of our church. And I remember telling them, this is, this is a, a pinnacle time for us as Christians. Either we can, we can, we can just kind of fade into the background and we can just, you know, kind of just let everything just go and just hope that everything works out. Or we can pursue God even more. We can pray even more. We can become even more fervent as Christians. We can seek the Lord even more. I believe that still rings true even to this day. It's easy to become lazy in our faith when we don't have any more accountability when we can just do everything in our own convenience, and our own comfort, when we don't even have to come to church anymore 
to have church. It's easy to become lethargic and even indifferent about our faith. But on the other hand, just as Peter was talking about, for us as Christians, this can be a time where our faith that is even greater, it's sweeter, it's better than gold that is tested by fire will cause us to bring great glory to God. You see, in this time of persecution for the early church in Acts, even though they were scattered, even though this trial happened, they glorified God more through this trial than if they just stayed in Jerusalem by themselves. I'm going to say that one more time. It was through the trial that God was glorified even more through the church. And it's through this pandemic, it's through our trials, our daily struggles, that we come to the Lord in the faith that he has given us. And through those trials, he receives more of the glory through our lives and through our church. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John and the other disciples, they're persecuted by the Sanhedrin, and they're saying, don't preach you know, the gospel, don't speak about Jesus. And in chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, this is what Peter and John respond. They say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. It was through this trial that the church continued to speak and proclaim and preach the gospel message because God was doing something and his hand was upon them and the church continued to expand even outside of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. It just continued to expand because they stayed faithful to the Lord. During the pandemic, we as a church shouldn't shrink down and stop preaching the name of the Lord because God is still doing something now. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are people now who are desperate for a savior. They're desperate to know Jesus Christ. And we as a church need to go out and tell them there is a savior. There is one who has died for them, who forgives their sins, who offers them eternal life. Because God is still doing something during this trial. And so instead of not talking about Jesus, we need to talk about Jesus more. And we need to proclaim his gospel. The third point of why did these people call the church in Antioch Christians? Because whether derogatory or not, these Christians, these Christ followers, their identity rested in Jesus Christ, who is their only Savior and their Messiah. The disciples were called Christians because their hope was only in Jesus Christ. When Barnabas, a Cypriot Jew, when he comes to investigate what, what is happening, all this commotion, all these things happening in, in Antioch, he finds that there are many new Gentile believers. And this is what he says. He says in verse 23, Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He continues to encourage them to continue in faith, even if they are persecuted, even in their trial. These disciples were called Christians because they couldn't stop talking about Christ. They belonged to Christ, they were united in Christ, and their identity was in Christ. Their exclusive faith in Christ 
cause, cause them to become inclusive in their love for one another. And about the culture and demographic of Antioch, this is what Daryl Bach remarks. He says, Antioch reflected a marriage of Oriental and Hellenistic life with Greeks, Syrians, Phoenicians, Jews, Arabs, Persians, Egyptians, and Indians making up the population. The church, with its practice and doctrine, represented a distinctly countercultural way of life. Antioch was a cosmopolitan city full of gods, where Judaism functioned as an exception in clinging to the one true God. So the other people in Antioch, they took notice of these disciples of Christ because of the different way that they were living and the different way that they were worshiping God. For other religions, you could have many gods and everyone could come and worship whatever God they wanted. Or you had one God, but you needed to be a certain type of person or from a certain background, or from a certain culture, to be a part of that religion and worship that God. The church in Antioch said, we believe in one God, one true God, and one Savior. And because of Him, our identity rests in Him. And so we are all united. No matter where we come from, no matter what background we are, we are all united in Him. And that's what separated. That's what made them distinctive from the other people, from the other cultures, from the other religions. Is that all of these people came together to worship that one true God. And so Darabach continues. The name is significant because it shows that it was the identification with Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah that people noticed. It also suggests that a separate identity is emerging for this group, which earlier was appealing to Jews only. It may well be that the mixed ethnicity is now forcing the issue of self-identification alongside the believer's messianic declarations about Jesus. In other words, these Jewish disciples were no longer Jewish Christians. They were no longer Greek disciples or Gentile disciples. They were all Christians, Christ followers. They were Christian first and then Jew. They were Christian first and then Greek. Christian first and then Syrian and then whatever you name it. And that is what stands out to the world. That we are not Asian first or African or European or Latino, but that we are all Christian first. Our identity is in Christ first. That doesn't take away our culture. That doesn't take away who we are, but that's not who we are first. We are all in Christ. As I was preparing the sermon and meditating on what it means to me, I couldn't help but cry tears of joy at the fact that the very first believers to be called Christians, it wasn't the disciples, the Jewish disciples in the, in the great Pentecost, right, with all the miracles happening, that's not when they were called Christian. It wasn't when the 3,000 Jews, right, came to know the Lord when Peter preached that sermon. But the believers were first called Christian when people from all nations came together to worship Jesus Christ. And Luke says that that is when they were first called Christians. And so though we are different in color or culture or even language, 
we come together because we have been saved by the one Lord and we recognize and we worship Jesus Christ. And it is because the world is because of this, this mystery of the gospel, this beauty of the gospel, that the world looks upon the church and is baffled and says, what do you have? How do you make this happen? How can all of you come together and love one another and be with each other and not get sick of each other? Well, maybe sometimes we get sick of each other, but then we, you know, we, we repent and we forgive. <laughs> and the world is baffled. And they say, how can you do this? And so we learn from today's passage that the marks of a Christian are that through trials we grow more dependent on God and we proclaim the gospel message in an even bolder way and that our identity rests in Jesus Christ alone. But this all came from discipleship and that's what we're talking about, right? This couldn't have resulted if there was no discipleship. If the believers had not learned, had not grown in Jerusalem, then they would not have known what to say when they went to their homelands. They would not have known what to preach. They would not have known the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would not have known that this gospel message is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. It's for everybody to hear and to be saved. Even in this passage, as more and more believers come to know Jesus Christ in Antioch, Verses 25 and 26 tell us, Barnabas went to Tarsus to find Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Why? For a whole year they met with the church, and they taught a great many people. What, what, what were Paul and Barnabas doing in Antioch? They were once again discipling the Christians there. They were helping them. They were teaching them the teachings of Christ. They were keeping them accountable. They were helping them to grow and mature spiritually as Christians. And so, it is the same with us. No matter if you are 8 or 80, we continue to grow as the disciples of Christ through discipleship. And this we cannot do alone, but we do together as a church Paul and Barnabas could have gone to each individual believer and said, okay, well, I'll teach you, and then and you go, and you go, and you go. But they didn't. It says that they came together, and they met with the church. And together, they grew as the church. And this is what Christ had intended. This is what God had intended since the beginning. And so Jesus says in Matthew 9, 37, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who are these laborers? They are us. They are the Christians. Discipleship isn't always easy. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it takes all of our strength. But just as we read today, the hand of the Lord will be upon us as we grow as a church because it is for his glory and for his purpose that we grow as Christians. It, I don't grow as a Christian just for my own gain, for my own profit, for my own benefit. I grow and God allows me to grow in faith 
for his purpose, for his glory. Just as I have learned from others, just as I have been discipled by others, we are called to disciple others. Not just take the knowledge that you have, not just take the faith that God has given you and just be content on your own, but to help others grow in their faith, to support and aid and keep accountable others who might not be as strong in faith. And so, let us be like the church in Antioch, that we don't just call ourselves Christians, but that when Dover looks at Grace Church, when the world looks at Grace Church, no matter what they're thinking inside, it might be a derogatory thing, it might be, ah, those Christians, but at least they'll be calling us Christians, and they won't be calling us something else. They'll know that we are Christians because of the love that we have for God and the love that we have for one another. The first century, when the world saw these followers of Christ, they called them little Christs. They called them little Christians, Christ followers, because of the way that they followed Christ. They were saturated by the grace of God. Regardless of who they were, they came together because they had all experienced this grace of God through Jesus Christ. And so they were called Christians. And so let us be known because of the love that we have for God and for the love that we have for one another. Let us be known because our identity rests in Jesus Christ. Let us only know Christ, only talk about Christ. Let us lead others to Christ. And let us be a church, the true disciples and followers of Christ, especially as we continue in this uncertain time in our world. Let our faith not cause us to become lazy or walk away, but rather let us become more fervent and passionate for Christ that the world will know that we are Christians. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it is because of the grace that we have received and the identity that you have given us in Christ, that we are able to praise you and worship you, and that we are able to come together as your church, united with one spirit, with one heart. Lord, we lift this time up to you, Lord. Continue to work through our church. Continue to work through each member of the church, that we may glorify you, even now during this trial so that, Lord, you may be glorified in our lives and in our church. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.